I'm Arthur. And I'm Susan. This is the Parent Talk Podcast. Managing the challenges of daily parenting. Thanks to our founding sponsor, Naturepedic, the nation's most trusted source of organic and healthy sleep products for your children. You can visit them at naturepedic.com. That's naturepedic.com. So welcome back. This is our third in a series on potty training. And we're excited about this one because we get to talk about ways in which it seems not to go right. Well, I've often said to parents, your child just doesn't understand at the end of the tunnel when they feel very grown up because they're in charge of their bodies, you do see this incredible burst. I mean, kids who didn't want to write their name or use a pencil, kids who didn't want to ride a tricycle. It's amazing how this really changes a child's behavior and gives them confidence. We don't want to ever think of potty mastery as punitive. And we want you to know that at the age of two, and believe me, in the United States, it's sometimes more like three and a half or four before parents really get serious about it. You are giving your child a responsibility that they are ready to handle. And I'm going to make a little bit of a connection to something that really goes right along with the way we advocate helping children learn to not become picky eaters and to and to feed themselves. And that is what they call baby-led weaning, where you provide the food, good food, nutritious food. You put it in front of the child and you let the child explore. They'll sometimes throw it on the floor. They'll sometimes they'll get it in their eye instead of their mouth. They won't always do it perfectly, but it's part of a process where they learn how to take responsibility for what goes in their bodies. And now we're going to talk about taking responsibility for what comes out of their bodies. It's really very, very similar. We've seen it. I, I totally agree with you, Susan. It's, it's, it's dramatic. Sometimes we'll see kids who refuse to go into their toddler beds and they, they achieve toilet mastery and they sleep in that bed no problem. Just like you said, learn to ride a tricycle. You name the skill, we see things really expand and take off when they when they get on the other end of that tunnel. They do. But on your way to the end of the tunnel, <laughs> parents have come to me over the years and these are the challenges that they're meeting. One of them is what do you do when you go out? Because even though some people like to say, oh, you can train them in a weekend. I'm going to say that even the methods that use food reinforcers, et cetera, certainly there are children who will master it in a weekend, but most children will take longer than that. So are you supposed to be staying inside for inside your house or close to your home for a week or two weeks until this gets accomplished? Well, that isn't really a realistic goal, is it, Arthur? I'm so glad we mentioned this point because a lot of people will hear about, you know, a friend whose child toilet trained overnight. Well, that's great. That does happen. But we think it's reasonable for you to plan a two to four week process. Two to four weeks is exactly right. Parents ask me this all the time. And I said, I would be a millionaire if I could tell you exactly how many days it would take. But I will tell you that after doing this for many years and literally between the two of us, thousands and thousands of parents and children, the average is between two and four weeks. And that is not a very long time thinking about your child's life as a whole. And let me tell you, it isn't maybe the most pleasant two to four weeks you've ever gone to. But at the end, not only will your child feel great, but you will too for helping your child and supporting them through this process. So on a very practical level, if you need to take your child out, there's a few things you can do. We talked in a prior um, podcast about getting those really heavy, like triple, quadruple, 
wool, thick training pants made out of cotton so that everything just doesn't fall to the floor. You can double up on those when you're going out and even put on like a pair of sweatpants, you know, something that's absorbent. That's going to help. Also, never forget to put a towel on your car seat because washing your car seat cover is not easy. You'd like to avoid that if if possible. Uh, Another thing you can do is go online and they have those cotton pants that have a plastic overlay. And that could be tempting. Say, oh, let me just use those all the time because it'll hold it in. And I suggest really just using that when you're going out because it's important for your child to feel the consequences of them peeing or pooping in their pants. But if there are times when you're going to have to go to the pull-up, you're taking a very long car ride, you're taking an airplane ride, you're going to want to go to the pull-ups. The thing is, is that if your child is two and a half or three, they are going to completely understand when you say, we're taking a long trip, we don't know where the bathrooms will be, so that's why the pull-ups are going on. Because it's important for the child to know that you're still on board with this process. You're just making a small adjustment because everything else is going to be changing in that moment. I love the fact that we give permission and and parents who are listening should enjoy the permission to use these uh, stopgap measures for long trips, the pull up in, in, you know, extremely long trips and such. But I want to reinforce what you said, Susan, which is one of the main points of our approach to toilet mastery is that we're asking the child to take over your work of doing the cleanup. And part of the world in which the parents do the cleanup is that the child doesn't bother with the poop or pee, meaning they don't feel it. So Susan, when you mentioned the training pants have a big advantage over the pull-up in that they feel the poop and pee, that is an essential part of the process of turning over the work. That's right. And especially with the way um, diapers are nowadays, they really suck away the, the moisture. So a child can sit too comfortably, I think, sometimes in a laden disposable diaper. But it's also good to know that the reason I talk about speaking to your child about using a pull-up on occasion is that we really don't want to make like a switch. I know many, many parents who say, oh, sometimes he's in a diaper, sometimes he's in a pull-up, sometimes he's in underwear. It's really important to really think my child is now in underwear and these other things are stopgap measures, just as you say. But there's another another big piece. Many, many children are in daycare or in preschool. Mm-hmm. And even though I would say that most daycares and preschools do a lot of with potty training in the school and they understand that there'll be some messy days, you may end up with a school that says, nope, child cannot come to school in underwear unless they are completely trained. To send a child in the midst of training, they might object to that. It's a great topic because, you know, a lot of states have laws that say that you need separate sinks and special facilities if you're doing diaper right. work. That's right. And sometimes they can't combine the non-diapered with the diapered children, right? And so it gets sort of a borderland world where they're sort of dry, sort of not dry, sort of continent for poop, sort of not continent. A lot of parents talk about being very frustrated that they're not sure what to do when the kids are in between. You're absolutely right. So obviously you're going to be talking to your caregiver at your school and and seeing what their suggestions are. But just to give you the opposite side of the coin, I have many, many parents who have come to me and said, well, my child never has an accident at school. You know, they follow the other children, the peer pressure, or the teachers take them all to the bathroom at the same time. But at home, the child is not using the bathroom. 
what I think anyway, and you'll have to tell me if you agree, Arthur, is mm. that when a toddler is going to the bathroom at school, but not at home, first I say to parents, this is fantastic news because now you are completely sure that your child is old enough and capable of using the toilet because clearly they do it for six, eight hours a day. Mm. So really when I see that a child is not um, using the toilet at home, I think it, it harks back to what you said at the very beginning, Arthur, that there's a loss, you know, that there's a loss of having mommy and daddy wipe your little bottom and, you know, take care of your diapers and take care of all this. And I think a child who might be away from a parent, whether it's a half a day or a full day, they're thinking, you know, I missed you, mommy, and I really, or daddy, and I really need you to to start to take care of me again. And this is something that parents can talk about directly. When a child's having an accident, instead of focusing on, oh, there's pee in your pants, say, you know, I see that your pants are wet. I really think that you're missing mommy when you're at school all day. I want you to know I miss you too. And you know, now we're spending time in the bathroom. Next time if you use the toilet, we'll have more time to do other things. Figure out what's going on behind that child's actions. And what's probably going on is that they're missing you and that when they come home, they want to revert to being a little bit of a baby again. And, you know, this highlights, again, the fact that this developmental step has a sense of meaning to it. There's not a lot of meaning in relationship terms in learning how to sit. But when it comes to pooping and peeing, hopefully our listeners are are picking up on how big a deal the relationship is. And it can go both ways. You know, you can have a situation where they will use the toilet at school and not at home, as we've been talking about, and go the other way. It can be where they uh, use the toilet at home and not at school because uh, they feel like that's a foreign environment. In fact, there's probably many of our listeners who have trouble going to the bathroom pooping when they're out of town and, uh, and it flows more easily when they come back to familiar environments, <laughs> which is to say that pooping and peeing is an expression in many ways and everybody expresses themselves a little differently, right? So so we're going to see children be more comfortable at school using the toilet. We're going to see children be less comfortable at school. But it's always going to reflect your child's approach to this. You know, when we're talking about this, I suddenly remembered a story about a little girl named Lydia. And I counseled her parents some years ago. She was one of the most precocious verbal children I had ever met at three and a half. I mean, she really could speak her mind. And she was doing great. P never had an accident. School, home, either one. But she never, ever would poop in the potty. She pooped in her pants and and her mother would clean her up very silently and try not to make a big deal of it. But after about six months of constantly pooping in her pants, she decided to come to me and we made a plan. I said, I think it's important for Lydia at three and a half to be in charge. If she decides to poop in her pants, then it's your job to say to her, it's your responsibility and show her how to clean clean herself up. So the mother was a little reluctant to do that. Who isn't? You know, poop is not the most, the greatest thing to think about a child being in charge of, but this was a very capable three and a half year old. And the mother called me up and this was one day. And Arthur, I am not making this up. You're going to think I'm making it up, but I'm not. (laughs) She called me the next day to say, you're not going to believe this. But I explained to her that if you poop in your pants, that's your choice. You know, she had other, the bathrooms were available. She said, but you need to clean yourself up. And Lydia looked at her with tears in her eyes and said, okay, mommy, I'll clean myself up. But will you still make me my lunch? (laughs) 
And it was, and I thought to myself, see, this articulate little girl was able to put into words what I think a lot of children feel, but they, they just don't have the words to say it. Hey, if I take care of my whole body like this, are you still going to wash my hair and make my lunch and take me to school? You'd be surprised mm-hmm. because of this sense of being so responsible for oneself. It's quite funny that some children sort of get a little worried that everything in their life is going to change. It's just what you said, Arthur. Everyone expresses themselves differently, and they have different fears that they have to express. And it illustrates, I think, one of the main points in our next section. We're going to talk about why is poop harder than pee when it comes to toilet mastery. And I have to tell you, I'm talking about older children. We're not talking about toilet training, you know very often in uh, six to 10 to 14 year olds. But I would say 20 to 30% of the people I take care of uh, struggle with constipation at some point or another. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a high percentage like that in adulthood. So, But we rarely, I rarely ever see a 10 year old or 15 year old come in and say, I'm having trouble peeing. So uh, peeing <laughs> is a lot easier. It's less painful. It's all liquid. It doesn't smell as bad as poop. Poop is a much bigger deal than pee. So as we begin to talk about this very common scenario, in fact, this is the most common, one of the most common problems we see in toilet training or toilet mastery process is that a child would be told, gee, you know, my kid pees just fine in the toilet, but they're really struggling to poop. Well, first of all, you're right. Poop is more solid. It's more real. And it doesn't come usually, I mean, pee, usually pee a lot more frequently during a day than you poop. So that, I think, really does add into the feel that it seems like something bigger. You know, there's a great book that you can read for younger children about how the system works and where the poop goes, because sometimes kids worry about what happens to their poop. And I often tell parents when you're first starting out, explain to them that poop is really the food that we eat that our bodies don't need anymore. It doesn't need to get any bigger or stronger. So that's how we get rid of that food that we don't need and make it as natural as you can. But what can you do about it? Because it is an issue. And I will tell you where the slippery slope happens, Arthur. The child is two and a half, three. The pee, you know, takes them a couple of weeks. Ah, the pee is down. They still have, maybe they pooped once in the potty and the water can splash up and hit their little bottom. I have known children who have not pooped for weeks afterwards because they were, they didn't like that sensation. So I do tell parents to make sure that you have several different ways where a child can go to the bathroom. Have a small potty that sits on the floor. Children sometimes feel very unat ease, you know, dangling legs and having to balance, even if they've got a little insert. When they're on the ground, they can put their feet down and push. That's sometimes helpful. But even with reading the right books and having a little potty and a, and the big toilet, some children will just refuse to poop. And this is what I see parents will doing. The child will not poop for two or three days. And now the parent's getting anxious, Right. The child sure. hasn't pooped for a few days. So the child will actually say, you know, I want my diaper. I can't poop. I want my diaper. I want my pull-up. And of course, the parent, anxious for their child to feel be healthy and have not have a stomachache, will give them a pull-up or a diaper. And that becomes mm-hmm. a slippery slope. Because once the child does that, they say, oh, I like this schedule. I'll pee fine in the potty. But when it comes to pooping, I'll do it in my diaper or my pull-up. 
it's this is something that parents are very embarrassed about because they can't believe they got themselves into this. They started when their child was two years and 10 months. And now five and six-year-olds, even seven-year-olds are still coming home from school after like, you know, reading War and Peace or something and asking for their diaper to go poop. And a parent is embarrassed to talk about that. But there are things that you can do to help your child move away from the need to use the the diaper or the pull-up and to use a toilet. Now, I'm hoping our listeners caught a, a message here between Lydia's story and Susan, what you just said so nicely about the mistake of using a pull-up or diaper to solve the poop problem. So if you recall, listeners, when uh, Susan was telling the story about Lydia, what was the solution? The parent asked Lydia to take care of the poop. And she was tearful about it for all sorts of reasons, as you may recall. But that story was all about turning over the responsibility to Lydia. And what happens when you use that diaper? Well, now the parent's involved in taking care of the poop and the child is relieved of that duty. So that's the difference between the story about Lydia, which resolves nicely with Lydia eventually finding a path to taking care of her own poop and the trouble that we've presented where the parent takes over the, you know, when you use that diaper, you're, you're taking over the care of the poop again and it can go on forever. And uh, so that's what, how you get to age six or seven years Because once the parent's doing the work, the child's happy and the transition doesn't occur. So that's the problem with the diaper is it interrupts the process of turning it over. And the other reason I think pee is so different than poop is you don't have to push pee out. You just let go and whoosh, there it goes. Uh, The kid knows that they're doing their work when they're pooping. And that that gets them thinking, well, you know, I want to be a big boy, big girl. Okay, I'll use a diaper with a pee. And when it comes to the poop, it's like, hey, wait a minute, this is too much work. I'm going to let my parents take over from here on. So this is the the core, I think, moment in toilet mastery, if the parent's able to turn over the work of pooping to the child. And I've seen many children, by the way, who will insist on not using the toilet. They won't give up. They'll poop in their pants, in their underpants. And the parents, having turned the process over the child, have them go in the bathroom and clean themselves up. And so they are, to a large degree, toilet trained. They're just making their life more difficult because they have to clean right. up their pants and, and do all that. The parents aren't doing the work. And so now the child's left with doing all this work, pooping in their pants, cleaning their pants, transferring it to the toilet, and they eventually switch over to the toilet because it's easier. They do. This is a story about Johnny. Johnny was almost ready for kindergarten. It was the summer before kindergarten. And again, like Lydia, he was peeing fine, but he would actually come home from preschool and he would put on his own pull-up. He'd take off his pants and his underwear, put on the pull-up, and then go into his playroom or his bedroom and play. And it was the same every afternoon. He'd call his mom, Mom, I pooped. And here was exactly what you said, Arthur. What do you think mom did? She would come upstairs and change him like he was a baby. And this was a kid going to kindergarten in just a month or so. So when we were talking about this, I gave her some steps to do. Step number one, let's let him use the pull-up for a couple more days. But instead of letting him go and play in his playroom, he's got to stay in the bathroom. Because guess what? You can easily say and mean it. Poop belongs in the bathroom. It doesn't belong in the playroom or your bedroom. And you just, you're going to just have to be insistent. He can take a book. He can take a puzzle. You know, he can take something to play with, but he's got to at least, even in his pull-up, he's got to do it in the bathroom. That was step number one. Then count down the diapers or pull-ups, whatever he's using. And you can say, you see, you have five more pull-ups left. When those are gone, you won't have a pull-up to put on. This is where parents, they sort of fold because he had arguments. I mean, he sounded like a 
lawyer. You know, he was like presenting his case, but mom, you know, listen, I need my, you know, he was so reluctant. But, you know, you can support your parent during this time and say, you can do this and so can he. He's really old enough to do it. And then once the pull-ups are gone, I want to give this child alternatives. He can sit on the big toilet. He can sit on his little potty. He could do it in his underwear. Or he could even, and I know people are going to really roll their eyes at this, but I'm telling you it works with about 50% of children who are struggling like this. You can put down some paper towels and just say, if you're not comfortable sitting, you can squat over these and then pick them up and we'll put them in the toilet. You know something, children who do choose that alternative do it once or twice and then they go right to the toilet. It's not like paper training a puppy, I guarantee you. You're giving an alternative to the child. And no matter where the child makes it, whether he does it in his underpants or he does it in the toilet, he's got to be responsible at this age for cleaning it up. So if he decides to do it in the little potty, he has to dump it in the big toilet, you know, and wash his hands. If he does it in his pants, it's going to be a messy job. And I will tell you that this way you're respecting the fact that this is hard for him. So you're breaking it down into, into smaller steps. But the fact is, is that um, a child who's five and ready for kindergarten is going to feel much better about themselves. One little girl, she was in kindergarten. And I said, do you think that your friends at school know that you use a diaper for your poop? And she said, no. She said, I would be so embarrassed if they knew that. So when parents think that they're doing something wonderful, look at, I'm letting my child just take his time. What they're really saying is, I think you're still such a baby that you really can't do this. By doing these steps, you're really giving your kid an empowering message. You can do this. You're old enough. We'll be here to support you, but this is your job and I know you can do it. And if you don't do that, if the parent continues to do the work, that process can go on for years. If you turn it over to the child, that two to four week period we were talking about, whether it's one day or seven days or 28 days, that period of time is, is set by how long it takes the child to believe that you're not going to do it for them anymore. Once they believe that, then they switch over and start using the toilet. So that that measure of time really is the length of time it takes a child to uh, to believe that it's now their job. You know, before we go any further, I, I did want to add one piece of information for our listeners, which is when kids do choose this option or this strategy of I'll never poop again to make sure they don't have to bother with their poop, if they're, if they're taking charge of it, that's a real risk factor for constipation. A lot of kids' poops get very hard when they try to hold it right. for four or five days or a week. So I really like the use of Miralax. Sometimes you don't have to use it if using prunes or grapes or raisins or some such fruit can keep the stool loose. But if you're piling them in with uh, nice sugary fruits and uh, their stools are still turning to stone, Mm. don't be shy about using Miralax, which is very safe. It just draws water into the poop. If you give a child a capful of Miralax, they poop out a capful of Miralax. It doesn't come into the body really. And while it's sitting in the gut, it pulls water in there and softens the poop very safely. So that's a good thing to use. And you could talk to your pediatrician about the dose and when to use it and such, but it's a great tool. But I did want to say before we go, we had one other scenario to share with you because if you do all these things that we talked about in these three podcasts and your child is perfectly masterful about the use of the toilet, there is one thing that can still happen once everything is set. And we just want to spend a moment talking about the dreaded regression. Yes, and that can happen at any time. And I just want to add something that you said, Arthur, I am 100% of a believer in the Miralax. And I really would like to caution parents that if their child is constipated to use something like Miralax and really stay away from an enema 
or um, a, oh, a, or a suppository, those are incredibly invasive and they make a child feel, well, obviously they do lose control because that's what an enema would do to a child. They feel completely out of control and that their body has been invaded. So I would say that that would be the last, last resort that you would have to do with a child. As a pediatrician, would you weigh in on that for a minute? I can't think over the last 30 years of a time when we had resort to a suppository enema for a situation around toilet training. You know, fruits and Miralax always 100% effective. I'm glad you agree with that. Oh, and yeah. Now we're going to just end up with a dreaded regression. You know, first of all, you have to make sure it's truly a regression. All children will have accidents, even children who have been, you know, using the potty successfully since they're two and a half will occasionally have an accident. But if you're seeing that this is really happening, that it's not just an occasional one, but it's happening once a day, twice a day, and it's going on for a few days, you need to pull back and see really what's going on. It could be something as benign as I've done this for a few weeks and it was okay, but I'm sort of tired of that now. <laughs> I want to go back to being a baby. In that case, you just go right back to step one and you just use your neutral words and have the child clean up. And it usually doesn't take more than a few days to get that child back on track. But a little bit more concerning is when a child has really been using the toilet for six months, a year, even more, and they suddenly start having regressions or wetting themselves or even pooping in their pants. You need to really think what's going on in that child's life that is causing them to react in that way. It could be something that's pretty obvious. You know, you're moving to a different city. There's been a death in the family or, or a serious illness. A new baby's coming or mom or dad got a new job, maybe changed their schedule a lot. And the child is suddenly at school a little bit longer or maybe different hours. It could be something as simple as a favorite teacher in the daycare leaving for some reason or another that can cause a child to get distressed. I always tell parents, you got to be a little bit of a detective here. You know, you've got to take a step back and see what is going on. That's wonderful. That's a great way to wrap up our, our three-part series on mastering the use of the toilet and tying it to other behaviors that need parental guidance along the way as well. So thank you again for joining us. And it's great talking with you about these things, Susan. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to the Parent Talk podcast. You can find back episodes and send us your parenting questions at parenttalkpodcast.com. And don't forget to visit our founding sponsor, Naturepedic, at naturepedic.com.